0: 13 is a brand founded for the creators, the innovators, and the motivators, for the people who get up every single day and strive to be better and leave a positive mark on this world. 13 is a fantastic clothing company, and the people that are behind it are passionate, creative, and some of the nicest people I have ever met. All of their stuff looks great. It's comfy. All the designs are so, so super cool. 13 has some of my best. Favorite t shirts and seriously, my favorite pair of sweatpants I have ever worn. 13 has been a longtime sponsor and supporter of the Cory cast, and they wanted to extend their love to you, the listener. So, when you check out their website at thur13en.com, fill your cart with some cool hats, hoodies, sweatpants. Just make sure you use the code word Cory cast at checkout, and you're going to save yourself a little bit of money. T H U R one 3 E-N.com. Make sure you tell them Corey sent you. My guest today is a local radio show host, Scott Dixon. He is the voice of 95X on your weekday drive from 2 to 7 p.m. When we were promoting the Dungeons & Donations charity event, he welcomed us with open arms to talk about our charity and what we were doing, and I quickly learned... That Scott is not only a generous human being, but he's also extremely genuine, which I think is what pulls me to him. He has had quite the interesting story of how he got into radio, and he even got very transparent on a dark part of his life. And I want to give you a trigger warning now, if uh, talking about suicide or dark thoughts triggers you in any way shape or form please make sure you skip that part Scott does give uh, plenty of heads up notice but with that aside I quickly learned about how amazing Scott is his rise fall and rebirth like a phoenix was fantastic and Scott is just a cool dude man like he just gives a shit about the people that are in Syracuse the bands that are here and he's a great human being. So this podcast is going to showcase how awesome Scott is. So make sure you show Scott Dixon some love. The 95X host, your weekday drive from 2 to 7 p.m. Make sure you hit him up on his social media. I'll put it in the links below and tell him that Corey sent you. So here is my guest, Scott Dixon.
1: oh camera. it's okay so yeah, uh, it works. just so you're aware i'm fully cognizant i'm just like i get enamored by looking at you and then
0: the screen like my it's camera's here. right my here camera's there. Now, you're,
1: you're over here
0: yeah i know right it's weird right especially i've got camera. two
1: screens and i can't figure out how to make it work
0: one day I, my dream is to to have my own podcast studio where i can like invite people in we don't have to worry about that i can talk to people in person because i feel like those conversations are just way better <laughs> than yeah, I mean, over if hot
1: time. ones has taught us anything over the years man there's, there's got to be that personal moment where you're where you're bonding over something in real time <laughs> yeah with hot ones it's just pain it's hot a lot of times it's in pain, pain.
0: <laughs> yeah. dude scott dixon dude the man on 95x i really excited you you're doing this one because you're a wonderful human being i love the stuff that you do not only just with 95x but the segments of 95x not just on the air but also like the community cares and all those special little things you do i think it's really really awesome and that's how we connected was when we did our dungeons and donations thing you were the first one who was like let's talk
1: let's do some stuff and uh we fall in love with you immediately Scott. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh the food bank is 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 very close to my heart and will always be uh an organization that I support with 100% of everything I have. Um I mean for those that don't know me, right? Like I do afternoons on 95X. Uh I've booked shows for years and years and we'll touch on that, but I'm going back to that as well. Um but I grew up on the southwest side of the city with a single mom who wasn't always a a great mom. Uh, And we relied in my youth a lot on the Central New York Food Bank and the food pantries that existed on the southwest side of the city that we had access to. Um, And I'll never forget that because I remember being a little kid and like knowing you're poor, right, Right. like in, in the things you have to do in school and then being able to go and, and get food from food pantries that are food bank centric, right. That, that are there and taking care of the community. Um, that instilled a few things at me in me at a very early age. Uh, the first was, you know, understanding need, right. Like understanding that like there's classes right? Like, and, and I mean that in the, in the sense of economic classes yeah, and that's right. a tough thing to come to as like a five or a six year old, but
0: yeah, I, I felt like a like little kid.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I felt like it, it dawned on me, you know, after maybe like the third trip to the food pantry that like, this is basically saving my mother and I, and I, 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 I held on to that memory for so many years and, um, You know, Through my 20s and 30s, I was a wild man who didn't go really out of the way to do much, right? Like if you asked to do a benefit at the club, I was 100% in. If you asked my band to play your benefit, I was in. Do you have anything cool you can donate? Yes. But I wasn't proactive in uh, doing anything for the community at large because I was so focused on the music community. And when I started at 95X in 2012 and found out that there was a relationship there... Uh, between cumulus media and our brands which are 95x 93q and the signal Syracuse, um it kind of it reminded me of being five, six years old yeah. and in in standing in line for a bag of stuff you know you didn't want, but you knew you needed, right? Like there was always like a big block of Velveeta type cheese and four boxes of pasta and instant mashed potatoes and powdered milk and you know like all your friends are getting Frank and bare, right? Like, you know, yeah. like you got to give like your number to the lunch lady. So that you get your free lunch. That, that stuck with me, man. And for me, I know how hard it is to be that kid, but at the same time, it's like without the food bank would he even have that. So for me, I, I try and jump into everything they do and put my all into it so in uh stumbling across you guys who were taking something that I thought was very interesting into the charity world which is the role-playing game uh Dungeons and Dragons and, and and using your hobby like the the ingenuity to take something that's joyful for you and and monetize it in a way that helps the community to me is like this really endearing thing that I don't think more than maybe two out of 10 people have. So the minute I heard that a, you guys were doing this B you're doing it for the food bank. I was all in. I'm very intrigued. Um, you know, I said I was going to, to try and dig into the D and D world a little bit. And as far as I got was watching the last season of stranger things. So I apologize (laughs) for not being any more knowledgeable in that world now, but, um, yeah, no, like That was the cool thing was like, when we were putting this
0: idea together, we were like, I think if we do a global charity, well, I just don't think we would get the type of buy in. And then we we're like, okay, if we do local, right, there's always there's great organizations like the Salvation Army, Meals on Wheels, all these different places. But to us, like the food bank seemed like such a crucial part to central New York. And Like I was lucky. I never had to experience that. Mike didn't, Dennis didn't, but Dennis being a school teacher has seen those kids who are affected by, by the need for food. And it's so crazy to me that we're in 2023 and there's still so much food scarcity in Syracuse. It's, uh, it's heartbreaking. So we were like, let's do something that people will, Will genuinely feel like is helping and growing our community, and you've met Lynn, right, over at the
1: absolutely. Lynn, Lynn oh my and God. I, Isn't she I just the most wonderful be. human being? <laughs> she's yeah. so nice. She definitely is, and yeah. uh, you know she's she's done a lot with me in the Instagram live space. We've done podcasts. I've had her on the air. We've hung out at the fair. Um, you know, she's just. Uh, I, I think that if she ever wanted to, she could do radio. Yeah, she's great. She's she's a natural personality and she's very well-spoken. And uh, I I think that she's an integral part of the the successes that they've had since she's been there, taking nothing away from the entire staff there because uh, working that nonprofit world is is a a difficult life to. That's a grind. Right. Like it's a lot of hard work that is emotional on a multitude of levels and it, it, it doesn't pay what a corporate job or a private owned business pays. But like, you know, I say it about radio all the time too, is it's like a, a lot of times you can get paid by being able to like exercise your passion. And those people at the food bank are very passionate about what they do. Oh yeah. Um, and man, I'm, I'm so stoked that everything that we've done over the last few years with the the online uh piece and then doing the the radiothon every year and uh they do the the telethon as well where we go out and answer the phones and 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 talk to people in the community right and you know i've I've done the demonstration a bunch of times but like five dollars literally buys a tv trays worth of food for a family like for crazy for a, a a single mom and a kid that five bucks feeds them for two full days.
0: Yeah. Isn't that insane? When she right. was, we we hooked it up when we taught we called the food bank, and we're like, hey, we have this idea, but before we pull the trigger, we just want to make sure we have your blessing before we do that. And they got Lynn right on the phone, and Lynn told us to come to the food bank so she can give us a tour. And we were walking through this place, like, how well oiled of a machine it is, how well it's run to a T. And dude, that is to the credit of how passionate those people are to organize those processes and get the food out to people who really need them.
1: Absolutely. I, I have, right before the pandemic hit, Lynn and I had the conversation where uh, I was going to get together a group of musicians or industry people, some radio people, some some musicians, and we were just going to go for four hours once a month with a different, I was gonna bring a different group of people, right? And we were just gonna volunteer for four hours to work out in the warehouse. And just like, usually during the summer when it's like apples or like uh, two pallets of zucchini that have to get split up into all of these different smaller containers. Um, And then the pandemic hit and I'm immunocompromised and my wife loves me so much that I basically stayed in my house for 18 months, because, um, you know, it was a scary time. And again, right, like, staying completely away from opinion, when you're immunocompromised, and something like that's happening. um, And you have things in your life of value, like a a, a wife and family, or kids, which I don't have, but um, you take it a little more seriously, right? Like, I'm not a news guy. I'm not a politics guy, right? Like, I'm just I'm that Gen X dude that has lived my life in a way where, like, not much phases me. Yeah, right. Right? Like, uh, you know, and usually in that situation, before I became immunocompromised, I would have been the dude that was just like, whatever, dude, I'm going to go out, right? Like, I'm going to go hang out, whatever. I'll be
0: fine. I'll make
1: it through. Yeah, not in, like, a ostentatious way, right? Like, not yeah. in a way where, like, you're going to see yourself on Instagram or TikTok, Uh, no public freak out uh, but I would have been far more careless yeah right so uh, we've been cleared for about a year now and life got out of hand but I think you guys have a passion for doing this I know on my side there's a lot of people on my staff that have a passion for it I think maybe we explore the idea of the three of you three of us we go we do it right and we shoot I mean, we, we, I think there's enough, you know, uh, talent and know-how between the the two groups that we can make a very educational video that's also kind of fun to put out to let people know, hey, this is what you do. Volunteer at the food bank, right? Like you don't want to take money out of your pocket. I get that, you know, the economy is a little soft right now. Um, go volunteer your time. Yeah. Two, two
0: hours on a weekend. Yeah. Right? They got blocks and schedules
1: all over the place you can take and they yeah. need the volunteers. They certainly do. And, uh, cnyfoodbank.org, We'll leave it at that. So that this doesn't turn into.
0: Lynn's <laughs> yeah. r- Lynn right Lin now. I was like, yeah. like, Hey guys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> My I son's her.
0: in the room. She's wonderful. I like her. Yeah. How did you even like, it's cool. How sometimes people get into their career and their field. How did you even get into radio?
1: That is actually a fun story. Um, so flashback, I'm running Bridge Street Music Hall, which is now a Tracy equipment warehouse on 290, out by the old Doug's Fish Fry. Uh, big A-frame building. Uh, I had fallen out with the new owners of the club I had worked at downtown that had purchased Armory High, which at one time was Stylene's. Um, so I'm managing the bar, we've got a show. It's a battle of the bands, and it's for a competing radio station that I don't like saying out loud. Uh, not, in a, not in a dickish way, just like, eh, we're not in competition with them anymore. At yeah. the time I worked, right, like at Bridgetree Music Hall, it was another radio station's night that was doing a battle of the bands with Molson. And then this new radio station that at the time, it doesn't exist, so I'll say it out loud, Rock 105, The Dog, they all showed up in a limo.
0: Whoa, the dog. I remember that.
1: Yeah, Uh, they all rolled in. And uh, I immediately went and addressed it as the dude that ran the club of like, hey, it's the other stations night. Right. Like this is kind of rude. And they're like, we just want to watch some bands and uh, we just want to drink at the bar. Right. Like, you know, we just all happen to be wearing the shirt. And it's like I, I gave them credit for having the balls to do that. Yeah. Right. Like when you call yourself the lunatic fringe of American FM because that was that was their slogan, and you do that the first week that you go on the air, unless somebody from that other station says kick them out, you're welcome here. Your money's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I go back to bartending, running around, doing changeovers, and I go back in the back room. I don't know cups, whatever we had to go get. And I hear scorch on the PA system from the stage on mic. Like basically just talking about this new station. And I was a 380 to 400 pound human being at this point, ran as fast as I could to the PA and told the sound guy to cut the mic. I threw them all out. And, uh, I may or may not have. There's a rumor that their credit card that got left behind got charged a four hundred dollar asshole tax. It was so long ago <laughs> I don't remember. Um allegedly. Yeah, allegedly that's what happened. Uh so they they leave. Uh the the woman who was in charge at the time mm-hmm. calls the next day, wants her credit card back. I meet her, she gets her credit card back. And she was flirty in a way that wasn't like hitting on me but in a way where like i felt like i was being like felt out Mm -hmm. right like almost like it was it was basically job flirting right like it was just like now scott
0: now that i have my credit card where do you see yourself in five years
1: less that (laughs) but like more like personality test right like asking me like pointed questions about my radio knowledge which all i really knew was like radio from syracuse so fast forward like Three weeks, and I get an email from her, like on my personal email, back when we all had like .rr.com email. Yeah, CNY. Yeah, CNY. Yeah, Uh, and it's this lady Erin Bristol, who is the program director of the station, and she was like, "Hey, listen, I've been like doing a lot of like asking around about you, and it seems like you're really, really well connected to the local music scene." Uh, I know that you're, you're doing Hellfest this summer and, uh, we would, we would like to get involved, right? Like we're playing bands like hate breed that you're bringing to Syracuse and we're playing bands like kill switch engage that you just had at Planet five Oh five. Right. And I was like, that's cool. Right. Like if you want to give me free advertising, I'll let you guys come up and be at the shows because like, they're all neutral. You can't come in and hang up signs, but if you want to put your truck in the parking lot, I'm not going to tell you, no right? Like you want to get here an hour early and talk to the kids in line. I can't stop you. So we started that way. And then she had an event and wanted to put a couple local bands on it. So she hit me up again. And then one of the bands that she wanted to book was a band I managed. So I think that was the, I know he'll come along if his band is playing a radio show thing, which I did. Um, And we had another conversation that night, right? And then we get through Hellfest, we get through a couple other things. And then I just, I, I get a, like a phone call from a number. I don't know. And it's Aaron again. And she's like, Hey, listen, I've been thinking about it. Cause I came to Hellfest, I saw what that community was about. And uh, I'd like to put a two hour show on the air of that music with you hosting. it." And I was like, interesting. So you want to play like, you want to play hardcore on the radio unheard of right like because this is this is like the this is 2003 right so this oh, is wow. kind of the height of metalcore right mm-hmm. like this is where orange county california was on fire with 18 visions and bleeding through and like Throwdown. that whole set right like you had the boston scene with the bands like bane and since the flood right like florida was florida i mean it's always florida it's always florida yeah like it's really <laughs> hard to describe the scene down there minus like Fest, which is like a pop punk thing um so i was like i'll have to think about it right like because I, I never saw myself doing that and like i'm sort of like this dude that works for myself i don't want to work for a, a massive corporation right mm-hmm. Cause like i'm in my mid-20s at this point right like um And i've always been like when you grow up on fugazi you don't really take the phone call from the people at clear channel asking you to have a job right so
0: yeah
1: um i thought about it from the perspective of i'm gonna robin hood this right like i'm gonna get in and then i'm gonna i'm gonna put like hardcore into the the lexicon of central new york and in the end more people will come to the shows that i'm working or booking yeah that's a good way yeah, to look at it right it's basically like a two-hour block of free advertising yeah right so so i'm like yeah i'm in and she's like okay well i can give you a minimum wage for the two hours of the show and i was like you like because it was friday nights 10 to midnight mm. and i was just like i work every friday night from like 6 p.m till 3 in the morning so like we got to figure out how to pre-record this yeah right so like i i literally got paid and i think in 2003 minimum wage was like six dollars and thirty five cents. Oh, for some reason that number is sticking in my mind and i got paid bi-weekly and i remember (laughs) my paycheck every time she would set it in my mailbox was for four dollars (laughs) and one cent right like i did two two show basically i got paid i net paid I got paid two bucks. I got a dollar an hour to do bare knuckle radio. Yeah. In two thousand three. <laughs> so fast forward, it wasn't even a month. It wasn't even a month. And uh at the time I was bouncing, booking shows, working with Syracuse Shows.com. Like I was again, I was young. I was just living my life and trying to just have fun while making money. Right. Like in the music, I- like entrenched in the music scene yeah and and that's the dream but uh at the time i was dating a girl who was a manager at this place called great northern pizza kitchen which was a buffalo place but they had one in fayetteville and like the, where the town center is now like literally where mun is um so i was like you know what i'll just deliver pizza for lunch right like it's one more thing that i can i can stack money with So I went there and then like within a couple of weeks, they were having me like, I was a culinary minor in college and uh, I may or may not have experienced some left-handed cigarettes during my pizza delivery experience, right? So like when you have a culinary background and you're not of sound mind, you make some dope stuff right after lunch with the leftovers from the stuff that's about to go out of like time, right. That you have to throw yeah, out right? on the rack. Right. So like you come up with some wild stuff and a lot of it ended up making like the daily menu. <laughs> right. So like I was having fun, like I had my little pizza gig for a few months and then I took the radio gig. So I had this radio gig on top of the pizza gig and the gig. And when you took the radio gig. gig, was it still just like two hours? Yeah, it was, it was literally so, Three weeks in, the kid that was doing the local music show that started a couple months before I started there moved out of town, so I inherited that, too. Oh, nice. that was Sunday nights for an hour. Uh, That was called The Backyard. Uh, So I had, at that time, I had five shows under my belt. Five. I had filled in on nights via the recorder once, and then I was on live a couple of times with Scorch, in the afternoon, just having a conversation like this, right? um I get a phone call from Scorch, middle of the pizza shift. Hey, bro, I need you to come down to the office today. And I was like, "Why? What's up?" He's like, "Trust me, bro. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, <laughs> try and get here as soon as you can. What time you get done?" So I don't even change. Like I don't shower. Nothing. I smell like I worked in a pizza shop all morning. I roll into their their like conference room like total like and, like that it was, it was that moment i walked in and i was like i threw up in my mouth a little bit i was like oh man <laughs> i think i'm about to touch the devil's dick <laughs> and uh because it was just like it was like four dudes on one side of a table all in a suit <laughs> yeah yeah like like too much it's suit, got, right? yeah like, it's got covered in line men's warehouse right like different four different shades of gray yeah uh that might have been because i'm colorblind but that was the impression i got and then scorch in a chair and our other co-worker in a chair and then an empty chair in the middle which i knew was intended for me and i roll in and i sit down and they're like all right so uh due to some things that are out of our control we had to let the program director go today and i was like oh it sucks she was really nice I, I liked her and then the president of the company looked at me and goes. We're making you the new program director, and I literally did this, bro. Who? <laughs> right, like you're you're what? And they're like, yeah, you're you're gonna be the new program director, and I was like, why? Uh, right, excuse like, excuse me, sir, I'm covered in flour. Yeah, why? Why me? Right, like in 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 that moment, I also felt too totally different reactions I felt like a total deflation and then I felt like a total like what the right like yeah so now like I'm in this vortex of sad mad what are you thinking right like so I was like I I don't understand a um how you're making me the new program director I feel like that's like a job offer interview situation so (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And they also have been under the influence of the devil's lettuce at this time. Uh, so it was just, it was a wild moment. And they were just like, well, listen, you've got business acumen and we've heard you on the air and it's not bad. So we just feel like we can teach you how to run the station and then you wouldn't have to have five jobs. And I was like, well, I could totally quit the pizza place, right? Like if you needed me for a few hours in the afternoon. And they're like, well, you were, are going to be on the air from 10 to 2. And like, had they done it a different way, I probably would have accepted on the spot.
0: Yeah. I was of
1: dude, like where four dudes in a suit aren't going to tell me that I'm doing middays and taking the radio station over. Like there's a defiant streak in me when it comes yeah. to being told what to do by all the relevant men that drives me nuts.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So I was just like, you know what? Why don't you figure out what you can do for me, what you can offer me. And then we'll circle back to this on Monday. I love that dude. I love that. And I just remember being like, are we done? Cause I've got, like, <laughs> I, I got to go shower and get to the bar. <laughs> right. Like, and it wasn't even like I had to get to the bar for work. I just had to get to the bar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was late enough in the day that like, I'm done with this. Yeah. Um. And I, obviously I took the gig which was it's amazing it was a nightmare dude right like I felt ass backwards into radio in the weirdest possible way zero yeah. experience my I have a bachelor's degree in marketing with a minor in culinary arts never had any interest in being on the radio right yeah. never like was never a childhood dream I obviously listen to the radio because I like music um so to be thrust into this thing that I knew nothing about. Like also if that, didn't care about, like you weren't like, I can't no. wait to be a radio show host when you're younger. No, like my, like my first dream as a little kid was strangely enough. Like I, I was obsessed with like, I wanted to, like, I think I want to be a mortician. Yeah. Like eight, nine years know. old. I was like, I could, I could, I could. I could make a living with dead people, I think,
0: <laughs> right, Like,
1: because uh, I was very antisocial as a kid. And that just felt like a natural thing. Um, and I also had like a lack of self-awareness at the time. right? Like When I moved into this house with my wife 10, 11 years ago, brought all my stuff from the old place, started digging through it to get rid of stuff. I found cassettes of my first two live on the air shifts. Because oh. at the time there was a cassette recorder, like a like a deck recorder in the studio. You would put a blank tape in, and every time you push the microphone button, it automatically made the cassette player record. And it would just record all your breaks. So when you turn the mic off, it shuts the recorder off. It was 2003. Um those of you that don't know what a cassette is, uh <laughs> um, it's uh in in I put I, I made the mistake of putting it in. Right. And like it is literally me yelling as loud as I can about how much I love hate into a microphone while introducing live for this. <laughs> right. Like I kicked off everybody's morning at 10 a.m. with live for this by hate breed on a radio station. <laughs> and I have a recording of me being awful at doing it. It's like, well, that was your first time, it, though, right? It, it was my first time being live. Like when you record it, like you do it. And then you listen back to it and then you insert it, right? Like you have the ability when you're live, right? Like, and I'm a, very much an adrenaline guy. Like when I, like if I'm nervous, it's the same thing. If I like have too much Red Bull, like, it's just like, let's go. Right? Like comes this thing. And then like, as soon as the mic comes on and you see the light, I was just like, yo, you know what I love? Hate breed. And it's just like, not a great look, but also it was 2003 yeah um so i i did that for four years um and then you know corporate america being corporate america i got scumbagged and they decided they wanted to go in a different direction with the radio station and i was just like what's the last day we're gonna be on the air and they were it was like four weeks away i was like that's my last day uh and they were just like um okay and i was like do i need to write a letter of resignation and they're like yeah and i literally remember going into my office grabbing a piece of paper off of my printer and writing i quit on date scott dixon and then literally just signed my name and i just walked back and i set it on their desk and i was like we good <laughs> we good here <laughs> yeah because like it was my last year there was like my whole goal was to make everybody uncomfortable. The there was somebody there again who will remain nameless because I don't want to get you or me sued. Uh, that I it was my job to make him uncomfortable and dread seeing me every day. <laughs> I last four weeks there, I typically walked around barefoot in the most barefoot, athletic, Scott. Most that's mountain chaotic mountain behavior. Right. And I would refer to everybody as f word plus er oh okay you can swear on those two. oh so like I, literally like the everybody except a nice old lady at the front desk when i would say like what's up fucker <laughs> what, what are you gonna do fire me yeah right right like i i gave you four weeks notice i'm leaving on the last day that i'm gonna be on the air of this radio station i have no intention of staying and doing anything else for you you've done me dirty i'm out And I'm going to milk these last four weeks for every little bit of enjoyment I can get. And again, if I can make a rich, comfortable, old, irrelevant white man in corporate America, uncomfortable for even three seconds, I revel in it. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like there, there are advantages to being a stockily built bald dude with a giant beard who's covered in tattoos in my world. Yeah. How, uh. When when that was going on, how big were you? Oh, dude, I was three hundred and sixty-five, three hundred and seventy-five pounds. And at the time, I also did the big Van Vader haircut and grew the horns in on the side because that's hair grows. Yes, so I was like, I I have to be the most like alpha big head I can be, right? So like, it, it it was truly amazing for me in so many ways, but also bittersweet, right? Like, cause you're leaving, you just threw four years of your life into this thing yeah. with everything you got and they're snatching it from you for what, right? Like, because they think they have a better idea than what you're doing. You know what? Right. The thing they replaced me with lasted half the time that I lasted. Yeah. Right. And then they sold the tower. So it's like, was I wrong or were you wrong? Right, like we could have made some money together for a little bit longer. Yep. Um. So in 2007, when I left, it was like August. I had been still doing shows, still working nights. I've had still ins- booking shows and stuff. Yeah. So I was I was booking shows. I was working shows. I would throw bartending shifts. Uh, I would DJ some gentlemanly type clubs because there's money there. Right. Like. Yeah. Um, so I was just doing what I do, stockpiling money. And then like, I realized I had hid $8,000 for myself, uh, accidentally, right? Like it's one of those things <laughs> where like you put money away with the intent of using it for something yeah. and then you kind of lose it. And most people do that with like a couple hundred bucks or like a 20 in a coat pocket. Um, I did it with a little over $8,000 wrapped in tinfoil. What? <laughs> you yeah. forgot about it? Kinda, yeah. It happens. Um, so I happened to find it like third week of the work tenure and I was like, yo, I've got eight grand that I did not expect to have. I'm gonna take a couple months and just not worry about what comes next, right? Like let's just ride ride a little wave, right?
0: Oh, I'm black, baby.
1: Yeah, we had done Hellfest hid, you know, kind of come and gone and the hardcore scene was in like this. I don't want to say downtime, right? Because it wasn't down, but from an artistic and. Ideological point, right? Like we had, we had left the hardcore realm and entered scene status, Mm -hmm. right? Like where the haircuts were more important than what was coming through with the lyrics, right? Like it became this haircut thing. Skinny uh stud- yeah. I remember studded belts
0: I had a yeah. lot of different you know studded, studded
1: belts belt. the the tightest skinny jeans you could find the hair that <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dude>. that <laughs> uh I got the the, the 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 bangs with the the they called it the shotgun blast <laughs> yeah. right like they, they were, it was it was worst fashion ever right like I remember like making fun of like the 80s glam dudes like the the poisons and stuff well yeah this i don't know what's more cringy like early 2000s emo (laughs) or 80s glam rock because like if you're either of those groups of people you're gonna be embarrassed at some
0: point oh dude i'm a thousand percent embarrassed i wasn't i wasn't so totally into uh like the the scene i i just had a lot of group of friends that were were like that i definitely had big baggy hair but the second you said scene kids," immediately thinking like hawthorne heights like come on wrist and black my
1: eyes like (laughs) exactly right (laughs) every band that reunited for we were young last year
0: (laughs) yes yes
1: (laughs) yeah it's weird right because like you're you're a lot younger than me but like you're gonna one thing that i will tell you younger people is that like when they tell you that as you get older, time goes quicker, that is one true fact, right? Like, because 2003 does not feel 20 years ago. It does not feel like 20 years ago I started my radio journey or that we had done the biggest Hellfest to date or, right, like we had like almost 40 sold out shows in 20, in, in 2003. Um, It feels like a couple of years ago
0: yeah right crazy, like
1: the, the yeah. same way that it doesn't feel like it was three years ago that the pandemic started right like that first month of the pandemic felt like it took two years and now it, in time so time, it feels like it was a few months ago yeah Yep. Right? Like, so, your time perception in this modulation that we all live in gets really skewed as you get older so enjoy yeah. every minute is the best advice i can give you soak if you're Amen. feeling joy if you're truly happy in a moment, literally stop, soak it in, and take a mental picture, because otherwise you're going to end up like me with like Swiss cheese for a memory, where like, <laughs> you like you have to get people to give you like three clues to even jar something loose, and you go, and then half the time you lie, and you're just like, oh, I, I do, I do remember that. That was I great.
0: Do, I do remember. I just don't want you to repeat yourself a fourth and fifth time.
1: Right? Yeah, man. It, it's, uh, <laughs> But yeah, for, for, for you younger set, man, by the time, when you hit, so when you hit 30, it's like you're driving up the ramp on 81, right? Like you're not quite on 81. You're not really going, but you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then when you hit 40, you're merging. You're in the right lane and you're going probably 65, realistically, probably 70. When you hit 45, you're just like, I think i should probably hang out in the middle lane keep it at 72 not get a ticket (laughs) right and then i'm i'm 49 man and i feel like yesterday was 2020 right like if if you told me like yesterday was new year's eve 2020 i'd be like that that checks out yep (laughs) meanwhile here we are it's (laughs) like may almost may of 2023 um you know, like, there's that that line in the office that I'm not going to say right, but it's just like, uh, you don't realize they were the good old times. Yeah. Right? So you're out of in the, moment, the yeah. good old times, right? Man. So, like, truly, in- like, one of the things that I, I would encourage everybody to do, like, that's what the pandemic taught me, right? And I learned that, strangely, from all people of Vance Joy, where it's like, every once in a while, I'll just stop and look up. And it, it was eye opening to the fact that like, man, I've been, I've been non, because at the time of the pandemic, that was my ninth year at 95 X. And I realized like, where did those nine years go? Because all I do is like things like we're doing now is like a fun thing to do. But for the most part, I just stare at two screens for 10 hours a day and talk for 15 seconds at a time, four times an hour, five hours a day. Yeah. Right. Like, so it's, um,
0: goes so quick.
1: Yeah. So to, 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 to take, to take that mindful advice and look up. And I know that he intended phone is the intended look up from, but like, it's, it's a good reminder for me to, to like, like on a day like today, I literally like, I did a break and I was like, I would like to go outside. And I went and did the mental math on the three songs. And I was like, I have 11 minutes and I'm going to go stand in the sun today. I'm going to yeah. feel the sun on my face I'm gonna breathe clean air mm-hmm. and I'm gonna Should go back in air and be a better version of myself. And it happened and I was stoked.
0: Yeah. And then you become a better version of yourself on air. And I we went off on a on a COVID tangent, but you were talking about how you were coming back to 95X, right? After you had left. How long were you have you guys parted ways for before you came back?
1: No, no, no. Uh, I started at 95X in 2012. It's been continual since then. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Mach 105 The Dog, 2003, 2007. Okay. In that okay. interim, I did all the stuff that I always do and then a few extra things, right? Okay. Like, you know, booking shows, bouncing, bartending. Uh, 2000, late 2008, 2009, I joined the Lost Horizon team full time.
0: Oh, nice. I probably saw you at a couple shows and didn't even realize.
1: I was a much, much larger human being with a much smaller beard at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, you've, uh, there, if, you're, if you knew me before 2012, you know a different version of the guy sitting in front of you right now. That was a yeah. much different human being, both physically and in every other possible way. And uh, I fully acknowledge the fact that, like, I was not the best person for a very long time. Um, you know, and I'm not going to use an excuse for it, right? Like, I was an adult and I made bad decisions that led to being a not great version of myself, right? Like, I but still... you were the
0: adult and you yeah. learned from that and uh, became a, a better human being for it, right?
1: we hope so like my goal is so. <laughs> be, my goal is to be better tomorrow than i was today yeah. and even in incremental way both in my career and as a man right like and i don't mean that in the antiquated like i'm a man right like it's not like the the quote-unquote toxic masculinity it's just like i come from a generation where Right. Like, and again, like cancel me for it if you want. But I think that there are certain things that if you have the same mindset that I do and you're a man and you acknowledge that, that it's not about gender. It's about a set of standards that you set for yourself and the people you let into your life. Right. Like it, it's it's big things like you never put your hands on a woman. Right. Yeah. Like I think that's right. like a a standard thing. Right. Like it's, you know, you are a stand up person for your friends right like you 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 risk yourself for those you care about right and i don't yeah. you know it's not a, like a testosterone driven thing but it's like the way i grew up as a poor kid on the southwest side of the city and then growing into and becoming a part of the hardcore scene and then an elder statesman in the hardcore scene uh as a kid that never had family right like it was like this brotherhood that my younger life of being needed past right like and yeah being
0: needed that sense of
1: brotherhood right? right i mean I, I i essentially for the for the most part raised myself from the age of eight and got emancipated at the age of 15 and have been on my own ever since you know i've lived with girlfriends whatever obviously my wife and i live together and have for the last 11 years um but like again, right? Like I'm not saying my life has been harder than anybody else's because I'm very fortunate, right? It's just, we're all an accumulation of the things we've experienced, right? Like the person you are now, you would not be had one thing in your past changed because it alters the path, right? Like, and that's not any sort of, again, right? Like, uh, in addition to not being political or any of that, right? Like I'm also not like a religious dude in in any way. I'm not anti-religion. I'm not for religion. I'm very much a, Hey, listen, if you want to live your life and it doesn't affect me or others in a negative way, you should be able to do that thing, right? Like I'm all for whatever it is that you want to do, as long as you do it for you. And it doesn't harm other people right like and, I'm an yeah. open-minded guy right like I understand that we're all different weird people right we're all weird There's all no, weirdos every single one of us have something that we're self-conscious about that just it occurs in every other human being right and it makes us weird and some of us are awkward in different ways right it's right like the 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 sooner you come to the acceptance of that, I think the the easier you're going is, the better your life is, right? And I am am an accumulation of everything good or bad that's happened to me. Most of those bad things were transpired by a poor upbringing and bad decisions in my uh, younger adult years. And, you know, like, I don't know that I would have had that aha moment to go, hey, man, you're a piece of shit and you should probably stop being a piece of shit. Right. Like, cause like the, the thing I'll say is I never went out of my way in the ways that I do now for anything other than the music scene. Right. It like, be, I would,
0: right. I, it had to be music for you to step out of your lane.
1: Yeah. and And I would always help anybody that needed it. Right. Like as long as you were a good person, but I was never proactive about it. And it wasn't until i had near-death experiences and a multitude of health problems that we talked about off camera that is well documented like there's a podcast at 95x.com in the on-demand section if you want the whole story go enjoy it it's kind of gross just know that um it's also got a trigger warning on it just so you know read the trigger warning um you realize coming so close to death how much of your life you've pissed away
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right like and for me it was on nonsense right like alcohol eating like garbage right like just all of these very self-indulgent toxic behaviors made me who i was and it's like okay well why why right like why were you relying on alcohol and it was well you know like and again right like i feel like this is a therapy session uh, but like, <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. You know, like my, my mother had me in the car for two different DWI related accidents under the age of eight years old. Oh, right, Like, so that's a, that's a core yeah. memory that you compartmentalize and you shove down, right? Like it, it's, it's very easy to put that in a corner of your mind that you don't look at. Until you are 15 and stealing cases of beer from your retail job every single time you work, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because you're emancipated at 15 and the manager never comes out of his office and it's 1988 and there's no cameras, you know, cameras, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so like, oh, take the garbage out. Cool. I'm also going to take this case of beer and set it by the dumpster and grab it before I leave, right? Like,
0: (laughs) when you have access to it. When you had that aha moment, do you remember where you were
1: oh um
0: was it when you uh were in
1: the hospital or was it no it was well again uh I'll, i'll give the trigger warning now right like i was in such a bad place that first day in the hospital 2011 full pancreatic failure we're four months in they got no answers um i've literally flatlined twice and i had just had enough right so like they have a pick line which is the thing they put into the crease in your elbow it's a long line goes up your arm across your chest and into your left aorta it's how they give you medication nutrition and uh antibiotics oh wow so I had a little jeopardy buzzer that I could push to get liquid pain medication which was fentanyl yeah which we've all heard plenty about in the news right
0: yeah
1: so um no matter how many times you push the button you only get the medicine every six minutes yeah but when you when you lay there for four months you know with this thing in your hand it just becomes like a six uh, six six well no it, it's more of like the the fidget spinner right like it's in your hand oh. you play, yeah it's yeah. in your hand you play with it right right um so like I I had decided I had enough I told them that the the jeopardy thing wasn't enough in that I would need additional pain medication to manage the pain I was in. And then they would bring the pills in and I would just like fake take it. And I stockpiled enough that I figured would be donezo, right? Like, obviously there's something so wrong with me that they can't figure it out that I'm going to die anyway. So I'm going to go on my terms. I'm very much a my terms guy, right? So like I stockpiled all these pills. And the aha moment was um, my girlfriend at the time, who was actually my ex-girlfriend at the time, had brought me an iPod. And the only three things she put on it, because they were the only three things she could find in my iTunes that she knew I listened to a lot, uh, there's a Manchester Orchestra album called uh, Mean Everything to Nothing. Uh, there was the first Onicon, The Burning Out River record but it was all like one track because i had kind of like ripped it in a weird way so it wasn't so it was mm-hmm. like an hour and six minutes long just one track but there was also like silver sun Pickup swoon on there and there, man there was something about being in an opiate haze listening to your favorite band's favorite album and finally getting it for the first time right like in I've been fortunate through my radio career to have this conversation with both Brian and Nikki from silver sun pickups, right? Like I made Nikki cry on the phone one time telling her the story of like, Hey, I tried to kill myself to your music one time. It was awesome. Right. right? Yeah. Like, and then you explain everything. And then I got to meet them and then they came and play a show for us. It's been like this weird full circle moment. And, and strangely, um, man, it, it's, it's very weird to accept the fact that like, the, the day we had them play in Syracuse happened to be the exact day, like nine years later wow, of man, the wild. day it happened, right? Wow. Weird how life works. Yeah. Um, but I remember the, the moment being having, and I'm not going to say how many or what, right? Because I'm not trying to perpetuate any of that, yeah. but I had what I thought was my final cocktail. And I just remember in the moment, Right. Like I and I don't know why it, it was the thing that made me go, what are you doing, dipshit? Uh, there's a line in a song, it says, There's a vulture perching right off screen. Right. So like I'm in a hospital bed, I'm loaded on fentanyl with a fistful of pills in the intent to take them all. And I hear there's a vulture perching right off screen. And I looked over and it was like the one nurse that I didn't hate. And she was like, I didn't hear your buzzer, but I felt compelled to come in here. What's going on? Really? And, wow. Like in that moment, um, I was just like, something just clicked. And in the song kicked in to like where the guitar swelled. And it, ju- it just sort of like washed over me of like, hey man, like don't treat this as the end. Treat this as like, the end of chapter one and the beginning of chapter two right like you are a book and you just ended a chapter right like let's let's take control of the narrative let's write the new chapter and write it the way we want to be instead of the way we are and i just remember like finishing the song stopping the ipad pushing the nurse button having jen walk back into the room and just admitting to her what i had done and handing them back to her and apologizing not realizing that you know uh, they were going to send like six counselors over the next eight hours into the room to talk to me yeah right right. it was like there was a nurse stationed in my room right Mm -hmm. like for like three days uh yeah, I screwed up. I get it. Right. Like I don't have any, you know, right. Like, and they have to do it. Um, but yeah, like there were, there was some sort of weird mystical magic that occurred in that moment and whether it was real or imagined a figment of a fentanyl fever dream, right. Like it doesn't matter what it was. It, It happened in my consciousness. And it was the point where I realized like, I don't have to be the aggressive and somewhat violent alcoholic bouncer that books shows and like has to do things the way we've always done them. It's like, how about this, man? Like, how about like, we just decide that we're going to be better, right? Like, cause coming out of this, I'm, I'm not able to drink. I haven't had a drop of alcohol since July 7th, 2011, right? Like that's coming from somebody that drank two bottles of tequila every day. Wow. Not had a drop of alcohol in what will be 12 years come July 7th. It's a, it's a constant struggle. Thank you. Um, here's the thing I'm going to say, right? Like, I, I get weird about people congratulating me on it because, like, I'm held to a different standard than a typical alcoholic, because most alcoholics can have a drink, fall off the wagon, and get back on. I had a piece of roast beef at a Christmas party in 2012 that they didn't cook the cognac off of long enough. And I was in the emergency room for 36 hours. Wow. So essentially it was at that point, we realized that if I had one, one drink, it would cause enough damage that I could potentially die. And the two definitely would. Wow. So I, I have, I have a leg up. On most alcoholics who are in recovery. Wow. Because I have. No choice. Right. Like I have to stay the state straight and narrow. Where Like I've used up all my chances. And that's sort of where I've put my mind to it. It's like, bro, you had. Hundreds of chances. To do what they're doing. Over the course of your adult life. And you chose not to do it until you ruined your body. So no, you did all your second chances. So now. You're not going to drink.
0: This is it, Scott. This is your last chance.
1: I feel like, I feel lucky that I'm at this point. And I know that that's kind of like a, not the right state of mind to have, right? I know that I'm lucky because, again, I've used all of those options. And I've changed my life enough that there is zero temptation anymore. I I don't care about drinking. The thing that that gets me to this day, and thank you, whoever. Uh, there's zero alcohol beer now. So, r- dude, I like I- I'm living my best life.
0: Yeah, right. You just get to drink
1: the Heineken zeros, right? Uh, I'm 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 gonna make a lot of people mad, but I'm not a Heineken guy. Uh, <laughs> never okay. uh, I I have uh, an affection for Bud Zero. Rainbow or no rainbow,
0: hey, respect to it, you, dude.
1: Zero alcohol beer, and it's one of those things that I think it's the the culinary background. I really I was that dude that really enjoyed the taste of beer, and I know that that's not something that most people truly, truly do, right? Like a lot of people just drink beer because it gets you drunk, and yeah. they tolerate what it tastes like. I genuinely, I liked beer, right? Like even cheap beer had its certain charms to me, right? Like that's why PBR had the Renaissance. Um, so it's like
0: everything that you went option. through, that was 2011. You
1: said, yeah, uh, it's the, the, the major catastrophic, my origin story, health-wise <laughs> yeah, but, dude, origin story, July 11,
0: 2012 was 2011 started at 95
1: X. Yeah. So I, I'm going to tell you about how I started at 95 X, which is, um, heartwarming, man, like in, in a multitude of ways. Like, again, I, I say this all the time. I'm very fortunate to have the people in my life that I do because A, I wouldn't be here without them and B, I wouldn't be the man I am today without them in a lot of ways. Um, so quick synopsis, uh, at the time, my best friend who is still my best friend to this day, Charles Petaro, um, was like little brother to me. He's the dude that got me to the hospital in time. He's the dude that came and saw me every single chance he could. He rode his bicycle from my shitty apartment on 7th North Street to St. Joe's, sometimes twice a day just to hang out and to make sure that I was good. He also rode that children's bicycle all over this city, picking up all the raffle prizes for the benefit they had for me when I got out of the hospital.
0: Wow.
1: I remember him texting me. When I was in the hospital saying, man, I just left 95X and Jody gave me a signed guitar, three or four other signed things, a huge stack of CDs and like $800 in random gift certificates and gift cards for your raffle. Wow. And I was like, okay, because... Literally three or four weeks before I had the the, the health issue, Joe and I reconnected because uh, he had done Scream Fest, which was like an I Hate God show with a bunch of other bands on it at the Lost. And then a few months later, we reconnected, and he was like, "Listen, I can use a part timer. I know you swore off radio after your last stint, but man, I could really use somebody to do two to seven on the weekends. It would take you an hour to do both." Right, like just I, I, I need somebody that can come in that has a name, that knows what they're doing. You'll get that swing of it in a couple of weeks. And I was like, Yeah, man, like just let me figure out what's going on with me over the next couple of months. I was on again, off again with a long term girlfriend. Uh right, like the Gregor Taliano had just passed away. I was just learning the ropes of the new Lost Horizon with John Hannes, who again is somebody that I owe a debt of gratitude to. Um, but then I was in the hospital and, and Chad texted me. And then I realized like, I had a bunch of missed calls from from Jody on my cell phone that I didn't notice because he was calling me during regular hours, like daytime office hours. And even in the hospital, I was a night owl. So I would sleep all day, be up all night, minus like yeah. when he- Poke and prod me. And I realized like that dude called me every three days for like the first three weeks, four weeks I was in the hospital. And you didn't even know it. And I had no idea. So I just shot him a text. I was like, hey man, thanks for checking in on me. I'll hit you up when I'm out of the hospital. And he's like, I hope everything's okay, whatever, whatever. And then like it was in that that I had that moment of clarity of like, oh man, I've known Joe for a long time. He was in Eddie Current back in the nineties. So he was in a band that I used to book in my first stint at Stylines 97, cool. 98. And then it turns out he's this dude that made this big donation. And I, I made a point in that moment that I was like, if I live through this, I will go and do weekends for Joe D at 95X. Yeah,
0: yeah. But like,
1: I owe him that. So, like, I got cleared to go back to work uh, on January 1st, 2012. And immediately hit him up. I think it was like the third, because the first fell on a weekend. And I was like, hey, man, let me know when you want me to start. I know I have to fill out paperwork. He's like, let's go. So I went. We started. Like nine days later, I did my first air shift. Um, First air shift, I show up, pull in to record. And a crazy girl that I had, you know. Relations with? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, once right like was sitting on the picnic table outside the building waiting on me so like my first day there like I had to like use my fob to get into the building and then call the police and have to (laughs) trespass her and then I was like it's my first day like I should let Joe know this yeah I feel like I feel like if I don't tell them this happened that it makes me look even worse
0: makes you look terrible Scott right so
1: (laughs) I, I I pull out the phone I call Joe and it's like hey man just as a heads up I'm at the building I'm about to track There was an issue with the police um there was a girl that showed up here and i had to have them trespass her because even though i carry a security license right like i don't work for you in that capacity and i don't know that it's totally legal so i just wanted to make you aware that i didn't do anything wrong except for show up to work and a crazy person was here and he was like you're fine man and then i realized that like it was it was the wild west in a lot of ways um so it's so funny dude your first day of work you're just like can't
0: wait to start my new day oh god <laughs> yeah so,
1: weird. so i do i record saturday and sunday that saturday morning and then joe calls me 10 30 monday morning and is like hey man can you stop by the studio today we need to talk and i was like hey, oh. okay well i guess i pissed this one away <laughs> So, um, I was being new, me, so I decided to hoof it from 7th North Street because I was like, You need the exercise. So, I walk all the way there, and I like when I got out of the hospital in 2011, I was probably like 275 pounds. So I was a big, fat, sweaty mess showing up at the 95X studio, like anxious, oh, yeah. like they're gonna fire me. Also, like, I just walked like four and a half miles, you're right. So, I roll in just sweating, and I was just like, Listen, dude. I'm going to go like towel myself down in the men's room and I'll be right in. I'm here. Huh. He just looked at me like I was the craziest person. <laughs> in the I go You're so sweaty. It's yeah, 90 degrees bathroom, out. And I do like the, the, the on tour thing, right? Like where you just make sure you don't stink and you just dot yourself and use all the paper towels. Um, and I go back to his office and he's like, close the door. And I'm like, fuck, damn it. And he's like, um, so, um, I'm not going to do nights anymore. Uh, the girl that's voice tracking middays, we're, we're letting her go. I'm moving to middays and you start nights tonight. And I was right. like, so wait, you want me to, I'm doing nights now. He's like, yeah, you know, seven to midnight. Instead of just doing Saturday and Sunday from two to seven, you're going to do Saturday, Sunday, two to seven, and Monday through Friday, two to seven. Uh, I can give you eight hours Like, I'll pay you eight hours worth of work for seven hours worth of work. It's the best I can do. But, hey, man, like, you know, like, I know you're still booking shows. You just mention them. And I was like, all right, man, like, you need to give me a local music show. Give me a local music show Thursday nights at 11. And I'm on, dude. Like, I don't want to start the local music show right away. Like, I am totally cool with waiting, right? Like, planning it out, making it work. I was like, but that those are my conditions. You want me to do this? I want the 11 p.m. hour on Thursday night to be all local music.
0: Oh, nice.
1: And he went and asked, and because he was just the assistant program director, which is my position now at the time. He went and got permission, and we were in. Uh, So I I did nights that night, and I did nights for four years. Got moved to Afternoon Drive seven years ago, right after the switch from Butt Rock to Alternative. And, um, you know, it's been... um, it's been good, man. Like we've dude, been able- what a
0: what a journey from start to finish you've had, dude. It's a wild
1: ride and an unsuspecting journey into radio. Dude, a lot of people tell me I should write a book, but I don't I don't want to write a book. Right, like so I just I do podcasts all the time, right? Like because it, it's way easier for me to tell the story than have than to, like- me to write it out. Because me yeah. in this setting, it is pretty natural, right? Like I feel like I'm a good conversationalist. I spent a lot of time, you know, amping up my vocabulary because I've done it it, right? with stuff for a really long time, right? Like,
0: yeah.
1: you know, like flip me over, I'm done on this side. And then when you flip it over, it's like, let's learn a bunch of new words and integrate them to our vocabulary. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's one of those things, right? Like in origin story on that, uh, my high school principal who hated me told me that uh, I was not articulate uh, after I had gotten into a fist fight in the 10th grade. And I looked up what articulate meant, and I was like, I'm going to prove this dude wrong. And then in uh, my junior year, I got into another fist fight, and he told me that I was never going to amount to anything. So hi, Mr. O'Donnell. Look what has happened. Um, <laughs> who's laughing now, dude? Yeah. You got Dixon on the radios
0: now. Who's, who's oh, now? Yeah.
1: You know like and, and again man like i understand that radio is not what it once was i'm very fortunate to still be a part of it and uh doing something that doesn't require me to sit in a cubicle wear a name tag or deal with the public a whole lot right like um you know and, and i'm also not one to like blow smoke up my own ass or run down my list of accolades but i will i will simply say that like Like anything else in life, I feel like I am successful within the world of radio based off of relationships and perspective, right? Like I'm one of the only people in radio that has seen every side of the music industry, right? Yeah, that's a good point, dude. I'm thinking like no one else has got the flip side of booking
0: shows, booking venues, and managing bands too, like...
1: And being in bands, being being in bands. I've tour managed bands in the past um Damn, dude. you know like I, i've touched every side of this industry so like i always approach things in the nightclub setting where we would do whatever right like i treat them the way i would want to be treated if i was them if i'm that touring band that's coming to the club and it'd be great if you were friendly and helpful so i try to be friendly and helpful right like i always treat people the exact same way they treat me if i don't know them right so like In radio, the general consensus is that when you go do a radio show, you get treated like shit. And I'm not going to say that that's true or false, um, but I I will say that there is an awful lot of lack for the artists in the radio world. Um, I think that given the fact that songs have become a commodity and not standalone pieces of art, which is what they're intended for, and there's this competitive nature in the awards world and for reaching number one and like all these other things, like it, it just kind of like sucks the life and passion out of a lot of things. Um, but you, it might've sucked the
0: life and passion, but you're still a passionate guy. You're still loving the music that you get to play and be a part of.
1: I think a big part of that is because I'm a grant, I'm granted and allowed access to a lot of things that a lot of people in my industry aren't. And it's because right? Like I treat everybody with respect. I'm honest when I talk to bands about their art, like in the Instagram space, in the zoom space, right? Like I don't feign, uh, enthusiasm. I don't pull punches. Like, I'm not going to tell you, I adore something. If I don't like, if you go back and watch one of the almost 200 interviews I've done in the last three years, like you can tell when I really do like the artists and you can tell when I'm trying to be a journalist and talking to somebody that I'm either not knowledgeable about or not a fan of. It becomes a very, hey, we're here today with so-and-so. Your new album is called This. It came out on this date. The first single is called This, and you're about to go out on the tour. Uh, Tell me about how the record came together. Right? And it just becomes like this very generic thing where like, um, you know, like there's... Like I couldn't imagine you like interviewing Hatebreed like that it was a different time man like you know like jamie's not a bad dude right like he's a media guy he hosted headbangers ball he's hosted a whole host of uh, of other things right like he's a dude that i think works in that way but i feel like any artist that you talk to right like you just have to show them respect for the fact that they're creating at a high level that is being broadcast out to the world right in my opinion doesn't matter Right, like what, what, what I explain to people, and I've, I've tried to for my entire career is I don't have to like what you're doing, you just have to do it well, and treat other people with respect. Respect your time, my time, the sound guy's time. Be on time. Don't be douchey to the other bands. Right, like if you're walking past somebody that's carrying something, offer to carry something too. Right, like it's not hard to just be a good person. Yeah. And I know that I've never, I haven't always been that guy, right? But, like, there's the clarity now. But chapter two. Right. Well, well chapter chapter two is about to become chapter three, right? Because, like, the radio stuff is all well and good. And I didn't come into this with an agenda, but I had a bang. Actually, half of this is bang. If you take the 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 raspberry uh, version of, it's the raspberry lime version of bang, and you yeah. mix 50-50 with Coke Zero, it just yeah it, it it gets you it gets you amped up in a way <laughs> where uh you want to tell people what's going on right like and for me uh not to be confrontational or, or like cryptic in any way but like i stopped actively booking shows and working at the lost horizon in 2018 when i had another health issue that i'm not going to dive into because it's a horror story uh but I got to spend three months at home and really kind of like went. I enjoy sitting on my couch at night and not standing at the door of a bar. Yeah. With entitled musicians and drunk people. Right. Uh, So I I kind of like I did that quiet retirement where I, I just never, I just never went back after I went out for my eye surgeries. And then a few months later, I had the conversation with John. I was like, hey, listen, man, like I just. I'll, I'll do what I can when I can, but it's not going to be much. And it, it amounted to nothing. Right. And then I watched what transpire, right? Like I watched the boomer boot, you know, clamp down on the necks of the young artists in this town harder than they ever did, because I wasn't there to try and lessen that blow by being somebody that brought attention to new upstart artists that maybe weren't polished, but had promise Cause like if, if there's one thing I am known for it is championing the underdog, right? Like there is nothing I like more than seeing promise in something and helping it grow. Right. Like that's, that's truly what I'm passionate about when it comes to, to music and the arts is like giving that talented young person that's putting it all out there in an honest manner, uh, and with a vision, uh, who maybe isn't a popular kid or has a ton of friends. Right. And just being like, all right, the dude on the radio, like who has picked two of the top 20 singles at alternative for the bands this year, um, might know a little something about promise and what sounds good and what works in the radio world, in the commercial world. Right. So, um, all these years, Right, like you you tune your ear enough, right? So like my passion in booking shows, right, was the fact that I always found myself a job within the organization in which the shows happen. So at Stylene's, I started as a bouncer. So I was bouncing, I was getting paid to bounce. Why do I need to take any money from the door? I've insulated myself so that the artists can continue to make a fair wage for putting their time and effort into it and then reinvest in themselves. When it came to... Bridge Street Music Hall, I hired bouncers and I put myself behind the bar because after all those years at dawn, I mean, the bartenders make more than bouncers,
0: mm.
1: right? So that was a step up. And now I'm now I'm making bank every night, right? But I also held down other jobs so that I never had to really take money from the door. And I'm going to say this right now because there's going to be somebody that comments on this. It was like, I played for you in 1997 and you definitely didn't pay us what we were worth. Listen, man, I've been doing shows the exact same way since 1995, right? Like, there's a person that sits at the door, that takes your money, that asks you which band you came to see, and then you get a mark. And you get paid based off the amount of people you bring. So if you didn't get paid well back in 1998, Mike. Because you didn't um, bring shit. You didn't bring anybody to the show. And you can perpetuate whatever you want with your little group of people, like all these years later. But, man, you're working Bang Tango. And I'm on the radio and I've talked to Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons four times, bro. Like, and again, like, I'm not saying that for clout, but it's just like the dude that's complaining about 1998 is working with a band from 1986. And like, you know, Dan Reynolds does maybe 10 interviews and the dude in Market 101 in Syracuse got one of those 10 based off of merit. Right. Like, because they know that I'm not going to ask Dan about his ex-wife or right. Like anything that like is going to, right. You're going to ask me stuff
0: in, about is
1: what's I'm going on. Tell me about like, Hey man, like this new record is dope and it sounds so much different than the last record, but it definitely sounds like the next record. Talk to me about your process. Right. Because it's very rare that somebody in my world wants to actually talk about the art, right? Like here's like David cross does the absolute best morning show, Radio bit ever find it on YouTube or TikTok because it, it's there in multitude, right? Where it's like, Hey, everybody, welcome to the Dick and Fart show. And today <laughs> I've got Dayglow Sloan. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you very much. So you're on tour, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're playing Syracuse tonight. Tell us about it, right? And and there's no yeah. in the artist it's just like, I've got these four questions that I ask everybody, uh, and then that's what I'm going to do. And it's up to them to present themselves. Well, and it's like, no, 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 no. See what, what, what you don't understand is they're really good at making art. And, and again, I'm like, I'm making a broad generalization, but like most of them are awkward as shit, dude. Like people that are super creative are typically not great. at social interaction. So like I go you into to help them with the conversation. Exactly. You right. Guide like, them a little bit, you got to pitch underhand for the first couple questions. Right. And I'm not going to say that, like, I've come up with a formula, but if I were to give you a formula for being good at interviews, it is right. Like say, thank you for your time, which you did a great job, dude. You nailed that. For me, that is a cardinal sin when you do not thank your guest for their time. Right. And you said it best. You'd be doing anything else right now. Dude, anything. You could be. You could be on the couch right now, just chilling, yeah. doing your own thing. Thank them for their time, introduce them, talk about their most recent thing, right, and then give a sincere compliment before asking the first question. And with an artist, or in some cases a chef, or in some cases an actor, um, the artistic type you are going to disarm them, right? Like, because in that point, you've now made them feel like, oh, all right, this this is, this is might be all right, right? Like, because they come into it, like, protecting their face. And then, you yeah. know, like, it's like, oh, thank you for your time. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So you know about the new album and the single, right? Like, they, they could still, they could still get you, but like, they're, they're, Less defensive. And yeah. then when you make that first question like the one that you know nobody else from radio is gonna ask, right? Like when you when you ask a specific question about the recording process, a lyric, a sound, right? Like when, when you when you let them know within that first question that you have connected to the art in a way, the rest of that interview is gonna be exactly what you want it to be. And, and, it, and it works because, like, well, it only works if you're a real person. It only works if you're sincerely genuine that you're saying to the person on the other side of it. Because, uh, and, and, and I hate to put this poor girl on blast, but I don't know her. Go watch the post uh, Coachella interview 2022 that the girl from K-Rock LA did with Brandon from uh, Turnstyle. That is do the exact opposite of that. I was, I was, I was embarrassed for both of them in that moment watching that video. Yeah. It's uh,
0: it's one thing I've learned about uh, when you talk with people or interview them, or it's always about like asking like really good open-ended questions that can really get them to open about something, especially when you're interviewing someone as like uh who is a piece of art that they're sharing with the world how you approach it is very systematic and like that's that's like a genius way to approach like any interview with somebody
1: well again right like it goes back to the 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 thing i said earlier which is i interview and talk to people the way that i would want to be approached yeah a thousand percent like Cause like this, this is very casual, right? Like we're, we're topic jumping. There's no itinerary. I don't really have anything that I'm promoting outside of the fact that shows are back the Lost Horizon. We've taken our scene back from greedy people that don't want to share the wealth of shows with the artists that people are coming and paying to see. I mean, whatever, right? Like you got away with it for the last four years. I'm done. I'm back. Daddy's home. Um, so, yeah, you want to play The Lost Horizon, hit me up. Easy to find. Find me on yes. social media. Just put in DXN and don't put the, the Asian stuff and you get me. Look for this face. Right there. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, like, this is fun for me, right? But, like, most of the time when I'm the guest on things like this, man, it it, it, it I get one of two things. I get the lazy interviewer that just kind of, like, wants the... Paltry amount of followers I have to look at their thing. Oh yeah, right. That becomes very apparent very early, and then I just give them the worst interviews ever. Like I go into Jared Leto mode, where I just answer yes or no or not, yeah. no. right, or just say next question. Next, um, <laughs> you know. But then, like there are like I've done a, I've done a couple of like I recently did a podcast called the Kiss Kiss Bang Bang podcast for uh, my friend Dead Air Dave. And uh it, it was good, man. Like he's got a run sheet, right? Like, and I don't love being I don't know, like I don't like being the featured thing, right? Like, so I did it and yeah. agreed to do it because like the dude from the moss was also a part of it. And like like at that point, like I just get to come in and I get to do my bit where like I get to tell you how much I love the moss in front of the singer from the moss.
0: Yeah, right. Just right.
1: sit back and I watch you two talk yeah and then i did that thing where i was like i have an opinion on that can i can i jump in here (laughs) it ended up being this other thing but it was still fun right but this is my my preferred like and and i'm gonna be honest right for a dude that has three or four podcasts i don't really listen to much right like because for me when 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 like is especially when you're making so much right? well for me and again right like this is gonna make me sound like an obsessive weirdo um you probably listen to podcast podcast users i see the research every day because i get research every day you listen to it in the car you listen to it while you're getting ready you listen to it like while you're doing other things and in every single one of those instances i would prefer music yeah so like i will like I'm more of like a podcast skimmer, right? Like like, one that that you're like interested in for me, like, and I know, like, it's just like cliche, but I love Pat McAfee, right? Like I've been a lifelong Colts fan. Uh, I love his take on things. Uh, I had a 15 year stint in the professional wrestling world. So the fact that he also like moonlights within the world of professional wrestling is just like pretty dope. He's a fantastic broadcaster. I think he's the best wrestling announcer of this generation, bar none. Oh, wow. Um, And the fact that that dude has always marched the beat of his own drum, right? Like, still for me, best special teams punter or kicker tackle of all time, all time, Pat McAfee. Nobody's ever going to do anything better than that, right? Like, and I love that he brings a little bit of like a wrestling character. To what he does with the Pat McAfee show, which I know probably isn't technically a podcast, but I don't watch it. I listen to it. So for me, it's a podcast, uh, but I don't listen to the whole thing, right? Like I'll, I'll let five minutes go by. And if I'm not interested, I zip forward. And then and you're like, time. all
0: right, music.
1: Yeah. And no, I always kind of skim through, and make sure like this time yeah. of year with the NFL draft, like I'm a big, weird fantasy football guy. So like, uh, the, the, the draft is like a fun thing for me. Cause like, for sure. When you're in the fantasy world, you do like two or three mock drafts. Yeah. just like, to man, I don't know way. any of these kids, dude. I don't do any of these kids. I don't, I don't follow college football. I don't like college football. Uh, but it's like, for me, it's like, because I can't shut my brain off. Like I'm not happy unless I'm thinking about something. Like yeah. I lull myself to sleep these last couple of weeks doing like mock drafts in my head because I memorized who had the time. <laughs> just fans. doing the roster. <laughs> Where I'm just like, you know, hopefully the, the Colts trade up to the number three spot so they can get, you know, Will Levis. And, you know, because otherwise they're gonna be stuck with Anthony Richardson and I don't know the Richardson's, you know, like yeah. Just that He's whole thing. It's inevitable until you pass out yeah essentially that that's that's mm-hmm. me every night right like when when we had two cw active and running like i would do like fantasy booking our two cw roster in my head is my nighttime <laughs> routine right like uh i also do that hey man you've got a one million dollar budget book a festival for you right and i'll just be like okay well all right let's do headliner it. would probably be about fifty thousand dollars. yeah it yeah and then you go down the rabbit crazy. hole yeah, yeah. um but yeah, I mean, it, it's just McAfee, McAfee's my guy. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't listen to my own podcasts. It is very rare. I uh, see, I
0: edit mine. I do all, of my, so I'm just used to it, but I also do a lot of videos and stuff. So it's not, I've grown
1: accustomed to it. I'm going I'm to I'm let you in on a little secret. I don't edit nothing, dude. Like yeah, the you just put it out videos there. I do, like band videos, like if somebody performs or whatever. But like for me, and again, I'm not, I'm not, speaking out against your practices for me um i'm lazy uh <laughs> no dude like I this hate, is uh I this hate is pretty hate unedited. It
0: more I'm than like someone uh, i've had only two guests ever say i didn't like that question can we take that out other than that it's pretty unedited
1: I, i'm an open book dude like i don't i don't have like that thing that most people do where it's like, Hey man, let me talk to you about this person. Just don't tell that person. It's like, yeah. if I'm going to say something to you about somebody, I would say it to them too.
0: Yep. Amen, dude. That's, that's why I like you, Scott. You're transparent, open, yeah, genuine, actually. dude.
1: Thank you. That I, Those are like uh, three of the words I have tattooed in kanji on my leg. If we're being 100% really? honest. Yeah. I got that tattooed on me. Like it's probably 19 or 20.
0: I was Hell obsessed yeah, with
1: dude. Japanese culture and totally ignorant. Um, also, also, fun one, Where? which one is it? Uh, so this is a Ben K. from Resurrected Tattoo. That, that, used, dude, I that, love ben. that used to be three kanji uh, that were supposed to say uh, love, passion, devotion. And it turns out, like, uh, I went on a couple of dates with a Japanese girl in my early 30s. And that's not uh, and what it meant. And met her parents, and her dad was like, why do you have the word laundromat tattooed on your arm? Oh, no. And I was like, excuse me, sir. No, this, right, like, just being the dickhead, yeah. it's like, listen, I know, I, I understand that you were born and raised in Japan, but, but. This, this is love. This is the, <laughs> the kanji symbol for love, right? And he's just like, no, I like, that's laundromat. And then he but literally started pulling up photos of signs from Japan of Laundromats and I was just like Okay. Oops. I'm not exactly happy with Crazy Jim right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but then again I remember that I sourced the reference. So like how can uh, I you know, <laughs> um that's funny. Well who else better
0: to to cover it up than Ben? Ben and Jamola are amazing. I love those guys.
1: Listen man, for me, like I did not know either of those dudes, either of them. At all. Uh, met them when my best friend uh, started tattooing for them. Right? Like, we all went to a downtown event that Cha's band was playing. Ben and Jamola showed up with friends. um, And I met them there. And they both seemed kind of standoffish, which in hindsight, we figured out they were somehow intimidated by me because I was like... I don't know, elder elder statesman of the music scene, and had been around. Forever. <laughs> so, and then you
0: found out that they're two
1: of the nicest people ever. Well, th- the way I found that out is at my benefit, I showed up, and they had made I Heart Dixon shirts oh. that they were selling and giving the proceeds to me. Right, like these two guys that I met once that my best friend works at their shop, like went out of their way to not only design but print and then sell wow, t-shirts. That's crazy. Give me everything. So, like, I immediately was just, like, a fan of both of those dudes, yeah. right? Like, and the, the, here here's what I'll say about both of them. And, and the reason that I love them on on such, uh like, high level is that, man, as soon as, like, shows like Ink Master started on TV, the tattoo industry changed. And, and man, like, it really wasn't about the art anymore. It was about being part of that tattoo scene or that tattoo culture and uh, hardcore had jamola? That, yeah they're all about the art dude and that's what i love it's right like so i remember bad. remember when the when resurrected had like the the weird like the counter with the the swingy doors here and then like you would go back and it was set up like it was like the early days of resurrected right and jamola wow. would sit like towards the back in like the little alcove in front of the basement stairs that must have been before I got tattooed by him. This was this was like year 1 of resurrected being oh, in okay. the new spot on Clinton. Okay. Um and I remember walking into Sea Chocks, I think I was getting tattooed and I rolled in in Jamola's painting. Right? Yeah, like, I know he's it's his, cool. He's yeah. This little tattoo drawing cubby. He's got like a little like 11 by 17 or 11 by 7. Like it was like this long skinny thing and I just remember him like painstakingly like looking at it and then looking at his palette yeah right and looking at it and i just remember being like so like i was just like all right i loved jamola before but now like yeah right now wow right <laughs> yeah. and then And it's funny, I feel like even if he gets mad at me for this, my best friend, if he gets mad at me for this, whatever, we've definitely had bigger fights than this. I remember we lived together before I met my wife, and he came home. He's like, man, fucking Ben and Jamola want me to start painting more. And I was like, dude, do you not understand that that means they see something in you and they're encouraging your artistic vision to expand out beyond you tracing shit redrawing it and then tattooing it on somebody right like they see what in in you what i see in you right like as like the the dude that's become your like official mentor right like this is a good thing that some some older guys are seeing the same thing in you that i am fresh perspective yeah it enforces my already high opinion of you and i remember him being pissy about it right and then finally like succumbing to it doing it and then really finding himself in it, right? Like, and then, you know, I had to do a thing where I pulled Ben aside, and I was like, "Yo, thanks for doing that." Right? Like, he's actually painting, yeah. Without the 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 whole reason being, you told him to, right? Right? Like, my boss has told me I had to paint more. Now they he
0: saw knows. something in him, right? Yeah,
1: right. Or like in in That's childhood, such a cool story. Chaz also that dude that like, if he watches a YouTube video like one and a half times, he can do that thing. It doesn't matter Uh what that thing is. Yo, this motherfucker watched two videos on how to tattoo portraits, two videos, and then did one of the nicest David Bowie portraits I've ever seen in my life. Only two videos. Two videos.
0: (laughs) Didn't do it. It's like uh, the scene in the Matrix.
1: Skin or nothing right like just watch like two videos of like okay right and then did some adjustments to like his tattoo gear and then the ink and then he went and he watched like a couple of specific parts of it shut it down and was like all right let's go and then did it and i was just
0: like that's the uh, it's like the Matrix. He, pl- he plugged in the floppy disk and downloaded all of his info. <laughs>
1: um, that's a blind spot for me. Uh, I will, I will, I will admit that I've never seen a single Matrix. movie. Oh, it's okay. There, there okay. are huge cultural moments that I have no perspective on, because while all of these things that became like massive things, like the Matrix and the Harry Potters and the Lord of the Rings and uh, there's a whole bunch of like new star Wars movies, like all of that. And you're just like, no, thanks. That dudes my age are usually obsessed with. Like I was too busy, like booking shows, going to shows, yeah. playing shows. Right. Like yeah, I, I, okay.
0: that was your, a 20 no year period of my, my life
1: where like, you couldn't get me to sit down and watch a movie. Yeah.
0: Cause right? you just want
1: to be moving. Dude. You're a guy that's yeah. got to
0: move. Well,
1: Absolutely, dude. dude. I feel like uh, I'm. you believe I, this, dude? Hour and a half has flown by already. See, hour and a half, dude. Isn't that nuts? We soaked in the joy, bro. I, I feel know, like dude.
0: I. I just want to say thanks for doing this. This is really dude, cool. I honestly dude, thank you, right? Oh, like, dude, it's so much fun. We could. I feel like we could go on for another hour and a half.
1: Well, tell you what, right? Like, let's um, let's reconnect soonish. Like maybe yeah. mid May. Right. Let's 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 see what period of summer your schedule and radio schedule match up so we can go set a date to go help with the food bank. Yeah, that'd be great. Within that, we'll produce another piece of content. And then after we get through the volunteering, the content release, we'll, we'll circle back and we'll do this again. But we'll do it with you as the guest. All right. Yeah, I'm here for it. Right. And then we'll 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 juxtapose because like the, the thing that intrigues me about you, man, is um, you remind me of of me in the context of that you have this sort of renaissance man vibe to you, right? Like I love young <laughs> people like yourself. No, for real, man, like because um it's impressive to me that you're a young professional who is successful, who uh for everything I see is a fantastic husband and father, oh, man. right. With the, the passion for the martial arts that you have, right. For your charitable contributions, your mindfulness of that, the relationships you have with your close friends and colleagues. Um, I know, I know a lot of you jujitsu guys, man. Like a lot of them have worked for me or have come up in the music scene. So like I, I get, a vantage point that I don't know that you're aware of. Like most people aren't aware of, like I'm very much a sit back and watch people kind of guy. Right. And the fact that you balance your life so well to be able to do all of these things at the level that you do them at and don't marginalize any of it. Right. Like you fully throw yourself into everything you do with intent and passion and you've committed to doing these things. And I've watched you get better in this setting, right? Like, um, Thanks, I, I've watched you via video get better and better at Tai Chi. Yeah. Thanks, right? Man. Like, um, you're somebody that uh, I wish I was more like at your age, right? Okay. Like, it's um, it's it, 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 it's good for me as somebody who for a little while kind of gave up on younger people based on my personal experiences to take myself out of that equation and and take like a good look around for young men like yourself that, um, aren't the stereotype that female comedians talk about or that, you know, like basic bitches bitch about on TikTok, Right. Like, (laughs) um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm at a point in my life where like, Broad generalizations don't work for me anymore. I'm doing things on a more individual by individual basis. And Corey, uh, heartfelt, man, you're an impressive young man to me. And uh, I respect the hell out of you. And I know that you are bound to uh, continue on this path to do really good things. And like I know that you have a head on your shoulders where you do these things because you enjoy doing these things and you don't have this expectation that you're gonna be famous from it. and man, oh God, yeah. if we're, if we're being is- if we're being honest, I hope I hope you are, right? Because you're a very earnest and sincere young man with an excellent point of view, uh, who works hard and throws himself fully into everything. And that's a rare thing, not only in the context of a young person, your age, but in society as a whole. I think that a lot of people spend too much time with one foot in and one foot out and you are a two foot motherfucker in a multitude of ways. And man, I respect the hell out of your hustle. Damn. You're going to go make me cry.
0: Happy tears, dude. (laughs) Thank you for those. Those were very kind, kind words. I, I appreciate you, Scott.
1: You're one. I appreciate you, sir. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I'll tell you the same thing that I tell everybody that I have conversations like this with. Um, instead of, uh, instead of thanking me or extending like a a debt of gratitude, just pay it forward. And I know that you're a dude that's already doing that. So I don't need to ask that, but I do want to put that out into the world, right? Like, um, Mm -hmm. man, I have booked almost 4,000 shows in my life. I've played over 750 different bands on 95X in the last 11 years. And I know that, um, some people take that for granted, right? Like, but I know that there are people that that means the world to. And it's moments like this that give me an opportunity to say, you know, like, you're welcome. So, like, stop saying thank you and thank me by doing it for somebody that can take value from you passing along the thing that I gave to you, right? Like, and, and ultimately, I think that's how we as a society stop imploding and and start becoming a community because ultimately... It's great to have a close-knit circle of friends, but how much better would it be if the ideals that we held, the people who were close to us, we held everybody to, right? And, and I, I don't know that that's a hard thing to do, right? I think that if we take our group of friends and expand that to a broad part of an art scene, and then from that art scene to the community as a whole, and from the community to the the metro community, right, like the suburbs um that if if we do that and we're just kind to each other and mindful and we can all sort of make a point to be more self-aware that society could be better and instead of like public freak out videos of quote-unquote karen's on TikTok, maybe like you know share one of the 95x cares videos and let's help get a dog adopted or maybe you know, instead of going through the coffee drive through and spending $9 on a coffee that you more than likely spill half of on the rest of the trip to work. Like maybe just maybe just Venmo that money to the food bank or rip off one of those tabs at Wegmans every time you check out because it's less than $3 and that feeds one person for an entire day. Right. Like think about like, dude, I've got more than $4 worth of change in the cup holder of my car. Yeah. Right, like so that means that almost probably everybody does because I've found that I am fairly pedantic as it pertains to other human beings. Uh, (laughs) Right in line, like what if we all just did that? Right, like I think I just had an idea that I'm not going to share right now because we're going to talk about it. Like, yeah, we're
0: gonna. It's a beautiful way. It's a beautiful way to end a podcast. We can leave people on the hook.
1: You led me down the
0: path to an idea, sir. All right. Well, we'll be hush-hush, and we're going to talk about it off-air. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott
1: Dixon. Thank you very much. I can hear your thunderous applause in my imagination.
0: Thank you so much for watching this episode of the Corey cast. I really appreciate the time that you spent listening and even listening to the full episode to get you to this point. I just want to say I'm just so appreciative and so thankful that... I have so much love and support for these episodes. If you wanna be a guest on this podcast, reach out to me. I'm always looking for new people. Let's talk about what you're passionate about. Let's talk about your hobbies. Let's give you a positive platform to talk about the things that matter to you. Do me a favor, make sure you hit subscribe, like, follow, leave a review of the podcast. All those little things will help this podcast grow because without you guys, there is no podcast. And I am just so grateful that you're taking the time to listen to it today. Thank you so much.